Relationship Podcast with your host, Certified Life Coach, Chris Rich. If you're having trouble navigating your mixed faith relationships, struggling to connect with your people, or having specific challenges, you are in the right place, my friend. Episode 92, Mixed Faith Marriage Mastermind Discussion. Hello there, my friends. Have you ever had the thought, I wouldn't have chosen you if I had known this is how it would be? If so, I just want you to know that you're not alone. In today's Mixed Faith Marriage Mastermind discussion, Brooke Booth, Suzette Halterman, and myself share our different experiences with this thought. Enjoy our discussion. Okay, welcome to our Mixed Faith Marriage Mastermind discussion. I'm Suzette Halterman, and I'm here with my colleagues in the mixed faith, the LDS mixed faith space, uh, Brooke Brooke Booth and Chris Rich. And we call it a mastermind because we're bringing together three different perspectives from post-Mormon to active Mormon and in between. Uh, And also between the three of us, we have kids who are totally in, totally out and in between and navigating milestones. Um, We also bring a wide range of personal and professional, professional expertise all with the purpose of trying to help people that are struggling as they navigate their LDS mixed faith marriage. Because we know it can be hard and frustrating and lonely and it can feel like, how do we do this? So we're trying to help with that question of how can you do this? How have we learned to do this? And how are we helping others to navigate this process? So today's topic is, I wouldn't have chosen you if I would have known this is how it was going to turn out. Or I, I wouldn't have picked you. I would have picked someone different if I knew you weren't going to stay in the church, et cetera. Uh, so that's kind of what we're going to be discussing today. Uh, this is, it's a really harsh statement to, to experience that. Like I would have picked someone else, but this is a reality for so many people. So um, before we jump into that, I want to just have, give a quick introduction and then I'll go around and, and and we'll get a little more personal. So first, just start with like a, a few sentences, just introducing yourselves for anybody new. Brooke, do you want to start? Sure, I'll start. So Brooke Booth, I am the post-Mormon. That's the perspective I bring. My husband and my my youngest son still active and participate on a weekly basis. Uh, my three older daughters do not. Um, I work with people working through mixed faith marriages, working through faith transition, working. And sometimes what comes with that is working through the decision to stay or leave the marriage as well. And I work with people on all of those topics so they can work through whatever choice they make with integrity, with gentleness, and with compassion for themselves and for others. Okay, and I'm Chris Rich. I am an active believing member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In fact, I'm serving in the Stake Relief Society presidency right now. Um, I have an absolutely fantastic family. My husband and I have been married for 25 years, and most of the time has been in this mixed faith space. We have three awesome kids. We've got a 14-year-old son, a 19-year-old son, and a 21-year-old daughter and all three of our children have no interest in religion at all. And, um, and we're figuring out how to make, how to make this work. So I delight in helping members of the church take their mixed faith marriages from just surviving to thriving and being able to enjoy that and, and create a family that, that you enjoy hanging out with. So that's what I do. All right. And I'm Suzette Halterman. I work primarily with couples, mixed faith couples, and just couples navigating any struggle. Uh, I uh, am kind of a physically in, in, but mentally out member, kind of a culture mem- cultural member. I attend still. I have four kids ranging from uh, eight to 15, and they're in that process of figuring out kind of what they want their religious, spiritual life to look like and kind of in an experimenting phase, especially my older ones, like, what do I like? What don't I like? Um, So that's me. All right. So let's start with the question of, have you ever either asked yourself or has your spouse, spouse asked themselves, like, 
would I have chosen someone else if I had known? Or have they like, has this been the topic that's come up in your faith transition process? Like I would have chosen someone else or your spouse saying that to you or thinking that. Um, any personal experience with this topic, Chris? I'm going to jump right in and say 100%. I told, I'm, I may be the bad guy, but I definitely have had this thought many times. And it's not just that thought. There are a lot of other flavors like this isn't what I signed up for. I've been duped. I This isn't fair. There's so many different variations of that of that thought. So I'm going to just go with, yes, I have been there many times. I, I've also been there from the other side of the coin. Um, I was definitely on the receiving end of this. And it's really painful. Like it, it was a bit of a gut punch for me. Um, you know, it made me feel like I'm only acceptable or worthy or chosen if I'm following the rules in line. Um, and to give my husband credit, he has apologized for that <laughs> since then. And he acknowledges that's not kind. Um, I think I want to just comment on this. I think this is not an unusual thing to happen. I have talked to many clients who've had this exact same conversation in some way or another. I think it happens a lot when emotions are high and people are scared and we say stupid stuff when emotions are high and we're scared. We say things that can cause um, hurt and pain and create like to diminish safety in that relationship. And uh, we can talk about this as the conversation goes on, but a lot of times what that means is now trust and safety need to be rebuilt and need to be addressed. And, and there's this like, the relationship needs, like it's a stitches kind of thing. It's not like just putting a Band-Aid on. It's going to need a little bit more care and attention because this is, this, and, and it's different for everybody, but this can be very hurtful and painful to work through. I agree. I think in, in my relationship, it was never explicitly said, but I know that was a big fear of being really honest about where I was with my husband is that fear of like, he's going to wish he had chosen someone else that kind of like, I mean, this plays on your fear of rejection a lot. And I know, you know, even it goes both ways for me. It's kind of like, oh, this would be easier if he just would have joined me in this journey, which is kind of like the same. It's a little bit of the same flavor. Like I wish you were different. <laughs> I would have, life would be easier if you were different kind of thing. So uh, I think that this concept plays out in a lot of different ways. Um, but I want to can oh I God. circle back on something too? So, and I, I think for me, I, I don't know that I ever actually said it. I may have, I, I don't remember. I think it's also important. I had a lot of judgment for myself for thinking this and knowing how this was not a thought that I wanted to have. And I think it was really important for me to be like, so for me, this is, this is what I'm experiencing right now and not making myself wrong. I didn't have to go and, and flip out at him. Or I think it's really, really important to, to rec I had to get okay with that was what was true for me right then. And letting myself, letting myself feel that because for me, it, if I would have known, I probably wouldn't have. And, and we're going to get into that in a minute, but I think I just, I want to like throw that out there that, that we don't want to judge ourselves for, um, for what we're thinking. We just want to be aware and well, we'll talk about that in just a second, but I want to throw that out there. Yeah. Be beautiful transition into, this is not like a silly thought to have. And for some people and some relationships, this is a very real thing. Like I really would have chosen someone else. Uh, and this puts me in a really bad spot. And now I kind of want a different choice. So I wanted to kind of talk about the difference between what happens if somebody changes their belief system or leaves the church at the beginning of the marriage? Is, is it different when this is happening earlier on, like maybe before you have kids or like for me, you know, we were 15 years in, we already had kids or people who are empty nesters, because people go through this mixed faith journey at all different places. Um, so what what are your thoughts on that? Like, 
if this is happening early on in the first few years of marriage, how is that feeling of, I would have chosen someone different. Like I have a whole life ahead of me. Uh, this is not what I signed up for. How is that different than maybe kind of somebody in the middle of life or any thoughts on that? I have some thoughts because I'm not, one, I want to be really cautious with every couple and every individual is going to come to a really different conclusion here. And I wouldn't say just off the bat that those are fundamentally different um, as far as coming to the conclusion you're going to come to here. You can have 27 kids and still come to the conclusion that this is not going to work for you and be very solid in your values and very clear with yourself that that's not going to come like, be okay with you. I think it's, I want to comment on this because I think it's tricky because often these wars are an act of honesty. They're an act of vulnerability. Like somebody is communicating like a truth and sometimes like it's hard to hear and it can feel brutally honest, you know, and it can be presented that way if emotions are high and it's clumsily given, but it's still communication and it's still an, an like something to consider in the relationship. So I would say this is like, is this something that's coming out in like a lashing out moment when things are really high and it happened like very, very few times, like with me and my husband, like once he said it once, he didn't say like every day for two years, right? Like it was a time where he was in pain and lashing out in pain. And I think that's fundamentally different than when this is something that's repeated over and over and over and over. Um, sometimes we feel certain ways and it, like it could have been very true and very honest for him, but maybe that's not how he feels in the majority of the time in the relationship. I don't think it is based on what he's told me. So it can be really important to know about yourself and about your spouse. Is this something because we're all humans and we get frustrated and we lash out from time to time? Or is this something where it's a consistent pattern of like, this just isn't working for me? And this takes a great deal of honesty. And I think this is probably more for me. Anyway, my, my approach is this would be a more important query as opposed to like, well, how long have you been married? And well, if you haven't really invested that much, then like, I think that because that's not how everybody looks at marriage. I like to look at it more in like, what do we got going on in this relationship? Um, is this more of a pattern in practice and this is coming up a lot and now we're talking about aggressions or microaggressions happening and trust being undermined on a regular basis? Or is this just, you know, humans going through a tough time and they lash out and they vent and then repairs are made and then people are able to move forward just fine. Totally. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that 100%. Chris? Yeah. Um, I think so. One of the, one of the questions that you had, had asked a minute ago, Suzette was when might this be a valid and relevant thought? And, you know, like depending on when this was happening in the relationship and well, kind of like what I said earlier, I think it's really good to recognize that all thoughts are valid and, I think the most important question that I like to ask is what do I create for myself when I'm thinking this thought? And, um, I know, so if I'm thinking, well, I wouldn't have chosen him if I would have known this is how it was going to be that thought for me, speaking from a lot of personal experience that created a lot of resentment. And when I was feeling that resentment, I, I pulled away from my husband. I wasn't present. I judged him. I did a lot of wishing he was different. I threw a lot of pity parties for myself. I spent a lot of time in the past and arguing with reality. Um, definitely catastrophizing about all the things that could go wrong in the future. And as I was doing that, I was forgetting the good things that we had going for us and the things that I loved about him. And so the result that I was creating for myself is I stopped choosing him today. And I think that is one of the, so I'm going to just go out there and say, if I would have known all this was going to happen, I wouldn't have, I'm that, I'm just going to say that, but that doesn't really help me 
now. And we're going to talk more about this in a minute, but it's like choosing today because it just does not serve me at all going and just rehashing that over again. And, and as, as unkind as it may be to say to a partner that I, even if you're not saying it, you are creating, uh, you're going to end up creating a result for yourself that is not pleasant and probably not who you want to, you're probably not going to show up as the person that you want to be when you're coming from that space. Absolutely. Um, and I, I wrote this question, I think, because I, because I work with a lot of couples and from my experience, the couples that go through this early in their marriage, it is so much harder for them, this question, because they don't have um, a, years of experience of building a life together. It's not that trust. So it really is like, this is a gamble. Like, this is a huge risk to carry on with you, not knowing like how our life is going to be when we've only had a few years together. Like, do I really want to commit a whole life to something completely? completely that I was not expecting. And I think I like, honestly, I, I always feel for couples in that place. Cause I'm like, that is a, that is a huge gamble. Um, so I think that question, like I would have, I wouldn't have chosen you if I would have known, I think at the beginning stages, that is very terrifying because there's such a reality to that. Like I've got my whole, our whole marriage ahead of me. Uh, and now I have no idea what it's going to look like. That's terrifying. So I just want to validate that. And I think for couples, you know, when you, you've, when you've already created some sort of a life together, like you kids and building careers and homes and getting settled, I think you have a lot more trust. Like Brooke, you were talking earlier about trust and building trust. I think you have a lot more of that. So when you hit that stage of, I don't know if I would have chosen you, it's also kind of like, I feel like it's less, it can be not always, it can be a little less poignant because it's like, but I also see that we can create these good things and we have so many elements that are light in our life that are pulling us together and our kids and the way we've worked together. Like I can imagine that we could still kind of formulate something moving forward. I think it, um, so anyway, I think it's, I think it can be different depending on your situation, your circumstances, where you're at. But I think, yeah, it's always valid, but I do think it's a very poignant question uh, when it happens in those first few years, like a painful, like gamble. Um, so that, that's scary and terrifying. So I just want to validate that for people. I also want to point out the marriage is completely a gamble. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Every single, I think back to, well, I think we're going to talk, I'll stop, but I, I think we talk about this in a minute, I, but yeah, it's all a gamble. You, you have no idea. Exactly. Yeah. Which which is why I think this element of like, I wouldn't have chosen you. Let's talk about that. How much conscious choice were any of us putting into our marriage? Like having studied the, the kind of psychology of attraction has been shocking to me <laughs> to see that our, our, our conscious is like not the driving force here. Our subconscious is like a hundred percent really good. So this idea of, I wouldn't have chosen you. Let's just talk about that. Do you have any personal experiences or thoughts on this about like choosing your spouse logically as opposed to other yes, things you. <laughs> and I, can you hear all the banging I'm sorry I've got people in my crawl space they're replacing yeah. okay Good. I have so many thoughts on this because I really like this question that you presented here and um, we bandy about this idea of informed consent a lot in like the mixed faith arena. And I don't think we really understand what we're saying when we use it a lot because informed consent is, I would say probably more rare than common because we always have limitations on what we know. It is a gamble. Chris, you're spot on about that. I, I think of, I think of this, this study, you've probably heard of it. Like your zip code has more relevant information to determine your health outcomes than your genetics than your like your health activities than whether you like your cholesterol levels like your blood pressure like and, and how much like consent do we have in where like where a child is born in the zip code they're born into like I, I think looking at this is fascinating is a lot of times the people we marry is more about timing and proximity and our own socialization than 
other factors. Like I get it. Yes, I technically chose my husband and I married him, but my choices were rather limited due to my socialization and, and all of these other forces at play. And then I think about just like the LDS socialization is um like we dated for like a year, which is really long in like in a lot of my LDS peers, but our engagement was like two months long. Like we weren't engaged very long at all. And like I think that's a typical uh thing for for people of my age and my generation. Um, but when I look back, what I wasn't looking at in that time of courtship is I wasn't really looking at compatibility or shared interests or long-term goals even like at career goals or family goals like I was really just looking at like are we on the same page regarding faith um he's a return missionary I'm a return missionary we both want to like raise children in the gospel and that was really the criteria I was basing my decision off of I I didn't consider a lot of things that I would now probably consider to be very important. So it it's tricky because it, it can feel, I have talked to so many women in particular, men too, men too, but who like wake up 20 years later and they're like, oof, like I wish I read the fine print with a little bit more care. You know, I wish I would have just like thought through this a little bit more. Like I wish compatibility or these other things were also put into play. And I think this ties into what we're talking about here as far as like, how much choice are we really exercising here? Uh, this makes me go, this, this question kind of made me smile. And I, I think um, so that you had posed another question earlier, how, how might the opposite, you know, like, so for me, I often have the thought, well, I wouldn't have married him if I would have known this. And I, the question was, do, do other people, you know, like, is it possible that my spouse is thinking that I think so often from the active believing member, that could be the thought. And then I, I was thinking about all the things that, that he didn't know about me. Like he had no idea how expensive my teeth were going to be and all the root canals and implants and, and all those, you know, like we have no, there are so many things we, we didn't know that we both snored and all these, you know, different things that it was just like, well, I wouldn't have chosen that. I think there's kind of some funny things that to look at too. Like, I'm sure there are plenty of things that he's surprised by with me. And, um, so, and then shifting back to the, the question I'm supposed to be answering, um, just this, I know like we started our first date or the first time we hung out was on Thanksgiving and we were married June 24th, like within six months. And in that time frame, it's not like you're, you know, well, the thing, like what Brooke was saying, those, those metrics, like, yes, to return missionaries, we wanted to have a family. And there were things that I was looking at, like, so attracted to that man, still am, love that. That was an important part of it. And, um, he, he's a good person. He makes me laugh. So there were definitely those things that I was very drawn to. And, um, I, I love, I love watching him play basketball. He would have so much fun and he would totally make friends with his opponents. And, you know, if someone fell, he was the first person in to, to go and help someone. So there were definitely things that I was like, I like this in a person and, and then there was a, a lot of things that just conversations that you don't know what you don't know. So you don't ask, it's not like, okay, this is my definition of, of a testimony. Are we on the same page? Are we doing like, when you go on vacation, do you go to church? We didn't ask any of those questions. Cause it was just, um, you know, it was, we were focused on the, some of those things that I think are really important things. And I'm still so thankful for all those things that I saw in him in the beginning. So I think it's just kind of a, um, you don't, you don't know what you don't know. I think is the, going back to that, it's a gamble in any situation. Yeah. I think, uh, when I was dating my husband, when we were considering marriage was also when I was trying to decide if I wanted to go to graduate school for counseling. And so part of my decision process was, I said, I'm going to go to therapy for a while and just see if I like it. 
And so most of what I talked about in therapy was getting married. Uh, should I get married? And so the therapist really walked me through all the reasons I was attracted and drawn to my husband and how the, the way it linked to my childhood and securities. And I really got a glimpse into how much my subconscious was driving my attraction to my husband. And it was shocking and it was devastating because I realized like all these I thought I'd had these, you know, spiritual experiences confirming he was the one. And I don't want to discount people's spiritual experiences. But uh, for me, a lot of that was uh, my subconscious was drawn to him for so many reasons, like the puzzle pieces of my, you know, childhood kind of uh, insecurities. They just fit exactly with him. And I see that with couples all the time. You know, the extrovert always marries the introvert. And the person who's the external processor, the verbal processor, marries someone who's like so shut down from their emotions. The, the control freak marries the spontaneous ADHD person, you know, that like, uh, it's, it's, it is crazy uh, when I'm sitting with couples and I, you, you just think like, how did you not think this through? But that's because we're so drawn to what is going to like, kind of almost the, op we're drawn to the opposite for a reason, like. Our subconscious is drawn to something that is so different uh, to try to kind of find like almost like a wholeness. It's fascinating and there's science behind it and there's research behind it. And uh, so I just think, I think it's helpful for everyone to know that, that your conscious is not the driving force of attraction and all the chemicals are meant to shut down our, like the dopamine and all the oxytocin. It's meant to shut down our prefrontal cortex. That's like reasoning, which is why like try to reason with someone who's in love and be like, don't you see these red flags? And it's always like, oh, you know, we'll be fine. We can work it out. And then like, you know, 20 years later, it's those same things that are about to pull the marriage apart. So uh, our, our, our chemicals, our hormones are meant to overpower our reasoning uh, and our critical thinking completely goes offline when we are in the mating process. That's just, that is our brain, our body and our brain's way of basically getting us to pair bond. Um, and so I think we can just throw out this idea that any of us like consciously chose our spouse. Like, I think, uh, our, like, like you were saying, Brooke, our situations narrowed the field down and we chose the person that's going to trigger us in all the ways that we need to grow. Uh, so this idea that you would choose someone different, sure. You might have, uh, you would have have a, had a different filtering system and you still would choose somebody who was going to push all your buttons and throw you curveballs uh, in just the right ways. <laughs> so I tell to my clients a lot is they're like, I just need to get out of here. And I'm like, until you clean this up, you're just going to go and find somebody just like this person, right? <laughs> Cause it's based on like what we're saying. That's really what we do. Until, until we're able to like heal or create awareness or like do the work on ourselves, we're just going to go in like different face, but same story. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And either the, the, there's going to be ups and downs in any situation, whether you're with Bob or Bill or Joe, each, each person you're going to have it's going to be 50, 50. There's going to be some awesome, beautiful things. And there's going to be some really hard things with whoever you end up with. So that, that brings us to the next segment of then what do we do with this? Like, if you really feel like maybe I wouldn't have chosen my spouse if I had been given a choice back then, but here I am, I'm in the situation. How can you choose your spouse and your situation now? Even if it's not what you would have chosen then, uh, how can you embrace the situation? How can you um, accept it and choose it, even if it's not what you would have chosen? Any thoughts on that? I have some thoughts on that. Um, I think it is so important to recognize that it is a choice that I, I know for, I definitely, I'm just going to be vulnerable here. There were times where I thought I may want to leave. This might not be working for me. And, and actually, I think it was healthy for me to, to put divorce on the table and to recognize like, this is an option. People do this all of the time. And I think it was really actually liberating to be like, okay, this is a choice if I want that. And recognizing 
do I like my why? What, what is it that I love about him? There are so many things I adore about my husband. And I went through and realized like, I do choose this knowing I can leave if I want to, I am choosing him today. And I think that was just, I think that was so liberating to, to really help myself see that there is a choice and that it's a conscientious choice that I make every day. Am I choosing him today? And for me, that was a huge, um, just a huge thing, owning that choice. I'll piggyback on that because I think what Krista is saying here is important is for some people being in a mixed faith marriage is not the right choice for them like that is not congruent and in alignment with their values and how they want to live their life and that's the that decision would be in integrity with them and in their in alignment with their values and it, it could be a very empowering important decision to make for other people look as they look at their values as they look at the kind of life they want to create a mixed faith marriage isn't a problem. Like it works with that. And I think walking through that analysis is really important. Really being able to have real options available to you. Like Chris is saying, like having divorce on the table, I think is can be important for some people at this point so that they feel like there are options available and they can actually do an analysis of what their values are and make a decision in according to those, in accordance with those values. Um. I, for me, it's not easy. It's not a picnic, right? But for me, differences in faith are rather nominal. Like when I do my own value analysis, you believe this and I believe that. Faith-wise, it's not so important. But other things are more important to me. Like different, like if like how we see equality between the sexes and treating people as second-class citizens, I think now I'm going to have a much stronger opinion about that. And then, you know, whether baptize at eight or baptize when you're a baby or don't baptize at all. Like I have a very different value system that speaks to those things differently. So I think a lot of times this work is really an internal investigation first of like, what are my values? Like truly my values, not what are other people's values that they want me to think or the values they've been taught, but what are my values and what decisions do I need to make here in this marriage so that I'm living in alignment with those values that I'm congruent with those values. For some people, that means not being in a mixed faith marriage. Some people that means being in a mixed faith marriage. Like I was surprised, like I was saying earlier, my values, I don't care whether he thinks there's a Godhead and baptism, and <laughs> but I do care a great deal about how he thinks about like equality between individuals and how marginalized people are treated. Those would be deal breakers for me where you know, he goes to church for a couple hours on Sunday. I'm like, fine, right? It's an internal investigation before it becomes an external decision. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think uh, the way to choose your your situation and choose your spouse, again, now with your subconscious not driving it, but you're making a, a conscious choice, is first to understand like that your happiness is under your control. So if you can't be happy in your situation, yeah, then choose, then the best choice might be like, if you're going to hold your your spouse hostage to your happiness, um, then it might be best to choose to leave. But uh, if you can say like, okay, my, this, me thriving in this situation is up to me. So I'm going to, I'm going to choose the situation by like, I'm going to set boundaries and I'm going to communicate my needs. I'm going to, like you said, Brooke, I got to figure out my values. Uh, I got to communicate them. We got to work on compromises and collaborations and negotiations and how can we both thrive? So to me, choosing uh, your situation now, if you decide that's what you want to do is, is like, let's roll up our sleeves then. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what I need to make this work and what do you need to make this work and how can we mesh that together? So it's working. I think choosing your situation is about uh, let's, let's get busy then. Uh, how do we do this? How do we uh, work through this together instead of just, I'm not happy and it's your fault. It's like, if I'm going to be happy, here's the things I need. Here's what I would like to do. Let's compromise. Let's negotiate. Uh, let's, let's get to it. 
I piggyback on that too, because I think what you're saying is really important. It's like when we do make that decision, then we need to be really honest with ourselves and hold us accountable to that decision instead of being like, you know, in a moment of peak or frustration, being like, well, maybe like really being honest of like, no, I'm okay here or not. But like, if it's, I'm okay here, I'm okay here. So then that means I need to maybe dig a little deeper here. Like this isn't against my values. Maybe I need to dig a little deeper here and do a little bit more to have a little bit more accountability or more responsibility or more vulnerability or something like that. That is not easy. Like sometimes it's easier to like waffle back and forth and, and like, instead of being really honest of like, I'm actually okay with this. And now am I willing to do the work? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I think going, I think going off of that too, is just when we recognize, okay, I do have a choice. This is, I am choosing to stay. I'm choosing to be committed. And I love the question, how do I want to feel about him? Because if I'm making the choice and I get to stay, I also get to, I get to think, I get to feel, I get to behave the way that I want to. And what does that look like for me? Because I want to, if I'm going to stay, I want to enjoy this. And that is in my control. Which, which brings up the next point of, I think it's easy to, you know, act, actively be choosing to embrace your situation and choosing to be okay when things aren't that bad. But what about when it's something really triggering? For a lot of people, it's like Sundays or kids milestones or, you know, the things that start to make, that might make you feel really uncomfortable. How can you choose your situation then um, instead of kind of going back to what might be easier, which is. Uh, I, I like, I, if I would have, I would have chosen something different if I had known, like that would be so much easier. Um, so like, how can you stay choosing even in those really hard moments? Any thoughts on that? So I have two practical examples that I personally practice. So one is offering emotional bids to my husband around church. So, you know, he comes home from church. It's as simple as, Hey, how was church today? Like, how are you doing? How was your experience? Like offering that emotional bid, because guess what? Church is actually a huge part of his life. And to use it as a, like a tool for my emotional bids, like as a, like a medium for my emotional bids is like a really logical thing. Spending a couple hours there on a regular basis. That's what I like to do is I like to actually use it. Like how's church? How's the activity last night? And then when he offers so-and-so is there, you know, I engage. The other thing I like to do, and this one's a little, like that one's the easy one. This the second one's a little bit harder. The harder one is um, me not showing up from guilt, me not showing up from supposed to and shoulds, me showing up um, more from love, authentically, honestly. And, and that in turn helps me work through some of the triggers and the frustrations and the hard stuff because I show up more honest, more real, um, more chill, to be honest, and less driven by guilt. And that actually helps the relationship a ton. Because now I'm not reactive so much. I'm not fighting so much. I'm not resisting so much. What's tricky is because I'm not showing up from guilt. I may, it may appear like I'm less engaged in the relationship, but when I am engaged, the quality is so much higher than engaging from obligation or guilt or supposed to or shoulds. People struggle with this one. I struggle with this one, but I choose quantity over quality here. I love that. Um, for me, I think one of the things that I find helpful in the, in the temple, we talk about being a companion and a helpmeet to our, to our spouse. And I've thought about that a lot, that I thought it was going to look a certain way and it's different than, than I thought, but I still have that. That's something that's still very important to me. So how can I be a companion and a help meet to him exactly the way that he is? And I feel like I still have, that's something I still want to focus on and, and to really delve into, and that can look different on a, on a lot of different times. I know like for me, it is important to go to church on Sunday. That's something that is, I really enjoy that. And I want to be there. And 
what can I do in addition to that? So my husband loves to run. A lot of times there are races that I can go to church and then I can go cheer at the finish line for my husband to be there to, so I'm meeting my needs of what, you know, like my spiritual needs of what I want to do. And I'm guessing that Christ would be there cheering <laughs> in a race. So finding, uh, I had to, I have been very black and white for a lot of our marriage, but recognizing like, okay, what is this? I thought it looked this way, but how, what does it look like for me to be a companion that helped me to him today? And how can I do that in a place where I feel comfortable and I can also support him? And I, I think there's a lot of times where things might look a little different than, than I thought they would look. And, and I feel good about that. And it's, um, it's just, it's helped me to kind of think about things in a different way. I agree with that. I think we could do a whole topic on how you got to really embrace the gray and the nuance and the not black and white. If you're going to be in a mixed faith marriage, uh, I think that's a whole different topic, but very true. Um, the practical thing that I do to choose my spouse in those moments that are really hard for me is to realize that whatever he's doing is actually like whatever value he's kind of presenting in that moment, whether it's going to church all the time or being very loyal to the church is actually the same value that I love about him in other situations. Like my husband is so loyal. Like he would never, ever do anything. Uh, he would never leave me. He would never cheat on me. Like, I know that he's liked me since we were in diapers. Like that's, he is like devoted to me, uh, completely yet. When I see him devoted to the church and that makes me angry, if I flip it and be like, that's because you're a devoted, loyal person at your core. And I love that about you. So the fact that I don't like that you're loyal and devoted right now, <laughs> I just have to remember, but I love that, like, that's part of who you are. That's actually a huge part of what, uh, you know, subconsciously drove me to you was the security to your loyalty. And I can do that with just about anything. Like he's, he's so loyal to our kids. Like he's a devoted dad. He's also loyal to his family, which sometimes drives me nuts that he doesn't separate as much, you know, like this is the family's religion. This is what we do but that's part of who he is. Like, I love that he's loyal to the fam to our family. So of course he's going to be loyal to his family. Um, so it helps me in that moment to choose him to just be like, this is part of who you are. And I love who you are. Uh, even if these certain manifestations of it drive me nuts in this moment, like without that value system, like you would be a different person and I wouldn't be drawn to you. So that's a practical thing that helps me. Um, what about... Like, what's the difference between, um, well, let's just talk about control for a minute. Well, we had, we, we're kind of short on time. Let me skip that. Um, let's just go to what if you can't get past um, resentment or you just really can't get past this feeling over and over um, that I would have chosen something different. I wish I would have chosen something different. I want something different. Like, uh, what do you do? What What then? And, and how to deal with that. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I I think one of the best things is to call a coach and to, or a therapist or a counselor, someone that you can talk to and, and figure out like, what, what do I want to do? What, what is going on here to help you to, um, to figure that out? Um, and to remember, it's like I said earlier, this is a choice that that definitely is a choice that is available. Uh, I think one of the big things that I like to remember is this is hard. Divorce is hard. You got to pick your heart and what hard is going to serve me the best and to help me to become the person that I want to be. And um, yeah, I think that's a it's going to be hard either way. What hard, what pick your heart. Yeah. I, I like what you're saying, Chris. I'll add to it in this sense that resentment can mean different things. Like, and like, so I like to say, okay, what's the resentment telling us? Like, what can we learn from the resentment is the resentment that you have all of these supposed to and shoulds, you know, we're supposed to be on the same page. We're supposed to be raising our kids a certain way. We're supposed to look this particular way as a family. We should, you know, these like, expectations and supposed to and shoulds that maybe aren't 
true when you look at your value system, like maybe aren't that important, but yet you're holding on to them so tightly and demanding, you know, that this is how it should and supposed to look that can cause resentment and that type of resentment you can learn to let go of and find some peace and, and just be okay with what it is you actually do have. And that can be very wonderful work to do. Sometimes resentment is there because there's like a series of aggressions or microaggressions or things happening in the relationship. And that's a different situation because if you have like a series of microaggressions or actual aggressions, it's really hard to find healing and peace. And, and I don't even know that that would be good, the best advice for you to be like, oh, that's good. You're okay. Let's find some peace. Like that's when the resentment might be telling you like, this isn't in alignment with my values. I do need to make a change here. These are both challenging options. They, this is like what Chris is saying, like this is challenging and this is challenging. Yeah, they both are. They both require work. They both require introspection. But I think it, it just saying resentment, I need to like, like just clean it up and move on. Maybe, but like, what's the resentment about? Like, this is where I like to get really curious and really understand yourself. Like, is this resentment that's like trying to speak to you and tell you an important message? Or is this resentment because you have some belief systems that just aren't serving you and you just need to get honest with yourself and be like, you're not actually that important to me and you need to be quiet versus you are very important to me and I need to listen to this. I think when I first started working with couples when I was like brand new, like in graduate school, I had this kind of naive view that all marriages can be saved and that's what I should be doing. Uh, but that's not true. Like it is the best option for some people to part ways. Sometimes there's too much water under the bridge. Sometimes there's mental health issues that make it impossible to find kind of a nuanced gray area and there's too much black and white. Sometimes extended family is really working against the relationship. There are so many things that can make it where it may not work. And I, I think that's always fine. Like uh, marriages, it's great if people choose to leave. It's great if they choose to stay. Um, but I do think if people can get in touch with their own value system, like if they value kindness and being a caring person, which I think most humans do, um, I think it can be a kind thing to do. Like if you are going to be victim to your spouse for your entire life, like victim mentality, like I'm unhappy because of you, I'm unhappy because you left the church or I'm unhappy because you're staying in the church if you are going to be the victim to that, it's kind to let them go instead of instead of putting them through that, um, instead of holding someone else responsible for your happiness. So I think uh, get in touch with your values. If you value kindness, sometimes the kind thing to do is saying, I'm not going to put you through that torture of making you responsible for my happiness and resenting you. Uh, if you've done work to look at your own resentments and all those things. So uh, it could go either way, but I think there's a lot of introspection uh, to see which way is the right way for you and for your relationship, for sure. So any closing thoughts before we end just about this topic in general or final words? I'll offer a final thought is we, me, you, Suzette, like we've talked about values quite a bit here. Value work, I just want to give a little like caveat to the value work is um you might need a coach or a therapist for that. Like I have found that I went into value work just thinking very narrowly and I needed to like break that open and really think about my values in a really kind of radical new way and allow myself to explore my values without like some of the preconceived ideas of what a value is. Like for some people, travel is value. For some people, beauty is value. For some people, Granite countertops are value. Like it can be anything. It doesn't have to just be like faith, hope, and charity. And to give yourself permission to really explore your values and be okay that these are your values. Like that work in and of itself is very fun and juicy and interesting, but can take, like it's, it's really outside of the box of maybe how we've been traditionally taught about value. So I just want to put that in there because we keep talking about it. Like, but I'm talking about it in a more expansive way than just like the stuff you find in the young woman value or the scout oath. 
And I'm going to do a play on value talking about that, the value that you do find in the young woman handbook. I think it's important to remember that regardless, if you stay and make it work, if you leave and, and, and move on, your value doesn't change as a human. You are whole, complete, amazing, totally of worth, regardless of the decision you make. And to remember that that value never changes yours or your spouse's. And I'm just going to close with this idea of choosing your well-being in whatever situation you're in, whether it's in your marriage, in your work life, like it's, it's not a passive thing that you're doing. Like being an active participant in creating your own happiness is a very active, hard thing. It's not something you can just sit and it will happen. So whether you're doing this work of choosing your own happiness in your family life, as a mother, as a parent, as a father, as a spouse, as a part of a mixed faith marriage. It's, it is about doing a lot of work, hard work, pushing your edges, learning about yourself, uh, voicing, being seen, working with someone else, lowering, you know, letting other people be seen, not letting go of control, all of that stuff. We didn't talk about control today, um, but I think that's a huge part of, uh, doing work in a, to make a mixed faith marriage work. So there, if there's a lot of stuff to do it, get help, get help to do it. Uh, cause choosing happiness, choosing your situation on a day-to-day -day basis, choosing to thrive, uh, can, you might need some help to, to get there. So, all right. Thank you ladies. Uh, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Sabrina. Thank you. don't have to be on the same page with religion to have a great relationship. If you are feeling stuck in all the emotions that are coming up for you in your mixed faith relationships, or are looking for tools to help you move forward, I can help you. Sign up for a free session with me. Go to chrisrichcoaching.com and click on work with me because you and your loved ones are worth it, my friend. Thank you.